This podcast is brought to you by you. And what I mean by that is all of the people that are part of this community that make it possible for me to do this. People that take time out of their day to listen to podcasts. People that take time out of their day to watch YouTube videos. People that leave comments, that recommend it to other people, that have a discussion with the guy in the comment section and give him suggestions or take suggestions from her. It is an absolutely awesome thing that we have going here, guys, and I cannot thank you enough for it. I am especially thankful for the Patreons who support Chase the Craft directly through the Patreon platform. Thank you very much, guys. If you're interested in signing up, you can visit me on Patreon. Have a look at the tiers that I offer and see if any of them are right for you. With all the craziness going on in the world at the moment, I really wanted to talk about community from a few different angles, talk about it from a commercial point of view, a marketing point of view, but also a health and well-being point of view of the individual. I thought for a long time about the perfect guest to include in this podcast, to bring to you guys to talk about this with. And at the end of the day, there was just really no no competition whatsoever. It had to be Roy from Aquavitae. By the end of this podcast, I... 100% believe you're going to understand what I mean and you're going to know why I wanted to talk to Roy about this. But I'll let you make your own mind up. Let's get stuck right in. So Roy, it is an absolute pleasure to be able to talk to you again, my friend. It's been too long. It is a pleasure. It is a pleasure. Um... I have to make a small confession to start, and that is on the run-up to uh, the Texas uh, gathering, the Bastards Ball over there, mm-hmm. they, they released a list of all the channels that were coming out, um, and I was vaguely aware of a channel called Still It. Yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know about the content, I didn't know about Jesse, I didn't know about anything, um, and I only looked at Still It for the first time on the run-up to that event. Um, and I realized just how how big a channel, what a reach you have, what a community that you're building as well. And then obviously when I got to meet you over there and hang out with you, um, it was an absolute pleasure and I'm glad to have had that opportunity. Oh, me too. Yeah, it was so nice to be able to get together with people of like mind and be able to meet people like you. And for me, it was the opposite, man. I think I even told you uh, when we were recording that little bit, I found your channel before I started my channel and I've got this super clear memory of the way I found you is that I couldn't figure out how to say the name of some Scottish distillery and I found one of your uh how to pronounce videos and uh yeah that's kind of how I how I found your channel and that was right around it was either just before I started still it and when I say started, I mean go live. I'd, I'd definitely been recording and stuff, but I can't remember. Yeah. Out. Those videos have been really good. Um, they've reached a lot of people for me. If people have heard of me, it's probably through the pronunciation videos. That's kind of been a gateway video for me, which was always mm. part of the strategy, right? That if you're going to do something on YouTube, um, you're starting from nothing. What what can you do that's going to actually be of value to somebody that, that you can cast a net out there to try and attract some people to come and watch what you've got to share um, yeah. and the first couple of ones that I did were just little experimental videos but then I was writing a blog post about pronunciation and I couldn't there's no way you can write down the pronunciation you can't write it phonetically <laughs> and so the only thing you can do is let people hear it so that's that's what brought about that video and I'm really glad I did it I'm now getting pressure to do number three because um, there's so many other uh, names coming out now and so many expressions that I could easily do a third version so I might get around to that at some point right 
Yeah, you should, man. Yeah, so that's that, that that embarrassed me even more to the fact that you came up to me and you knew so much about the channel and the recycling <laughs> and things. And I, I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> You're a gentleman. Oh, dude, I, honestly, before that, I, uh, I was very shy about the whole thing. I felt like an outsider to the whole, because I had no no connection specifically with the whiskey group of people. I was only yeah. hanging out with the, the home distillers online, you know? Yeah. So for all, yeah. like all of you guys, I was quite nervous to actually talk to you, uh, you know, cause you, you guys were the YouTubers as weird. And then you're sitting over here going, yeah, I've got a channel too. Like, <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, no, that, I mean, you're, you're 50 odd thousand subscribers. You've got a, a, a significant 50, yeah. sized channel. Absolutely. So that it's bizarre to me that, that you were, that you, that you felt that way at all. But I mean, everyone, everybody felt that way. You know, the thing is, is that, we are the YouTubers. It's kind of we're still doing things from our kitchens and bedrooms and spare rooms and things. It's it is really right. uh, it's a very domestic hobby, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, very much so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So just in case no one, the people that are listening, in case that they they know who I am but they don't know who you are, do you want to let them know what it is you do on YouTube, and then we can uh, get into talking about community, which is what we're here to do. So I'm Roy. I, I, my other name on YouTube is Aquavite and the channel is Aquavite. Aquavite is based on the concept of sharing whiskey, sharing the liquid itself, of course, but sharing knowledge um, and experiences and stories and concepts, ideas about whiskey, how whiskey has come to be um, and how it is uh, so much more than just an alcoholic drink. Uh, that's kind of so it's it's all it's almost kind of the, the very existence of whiskey that drives me how how it's such a powerful powerful thing and when I say powerful I'm not talking about high ABV I'm not <laughs> talking about ethanol content I'm talking about as a connector of people as something that really really like nothing else you could talk about wine you can talk about other spirits you can talk about lot but whiskey has a depth to it that I find compelling and that's what drove me to get in front of camera i was very camera shy before i started doing this so that's what the channel's about um i do live streams now i do uh they used to be every uh two a month but because of current situations and times mm -hmm. i'm also bringing a lot more content i think people are, are seeing a value in it just now they're using it and um, they're very well attended but also do occasionally i do pre-recorded content such as um blind challenges uh recycled reviews um, basically things that interest me and in, about whiskey I like to share through the medium of YouTube. <laughs> that whole subject, that whole genre, that whole group of concepts is super under threat of turning into wankery and pretension. And just if you're listening, guys, that is the exact antithesis of what Roy is about. So if you're worried about any of that side of things, in the world of whiskey you don't have to worry about that with Roy <laughs> which is it's special man because I think in something like this and from a, a branding point of view and from a community point of view authenticity is is just everything I think when it comes to putting yourself out there on YouTube or or a brand or a product at the end of the day too but especially when we like when we are the ones that are kind of the product <laughs> It, it means everything. And of everyone that I've managed to meet through this, you kind of come to the top of that conversation time and time again because you just do such a damn good job of it, man. That's really nice of you to say, Jesse. Honestly, that's... that's I've put you on the spot. 
<laughs> well, honestly, because the thing is, is that it's very easy. The way the language that I use sometimes, um, the thing, the concepts that we talk about, especially when we get into tasting notes and and using um, kind of buzzwords and phrases about whiskey, it can sound very pretentious. And right. I, I remember how I felt when I was kind of just standing outside of that bubble, uh, um, and, and you do feel a wee bit, a wee bit removed, a wee bit shy about stepping inside. So. I sometimes have to check myself because I want it to be as inclusive as possible and I want it to be about trying to shine the light and lead everybody in, not only just to work out how fantastic whiskey is, but how to have a much healthier relationship with alcohol, honestly. So the idea of stripping pretension away is, is super important. And if I have somehow managed to succeed there, fantastic. But I think it's a difficult thing to do because of the very nature of what we talk about, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. From the outside, it can seem before you get stuck into whiskey, just the idea of someone sitting down and talking for five minutes about the whiskey and everything they get from it. And they haven't even tasted it yet. That can be, you know, I've been in a situation with someone that I respect where I've done that. And they've literally just looked at me and said, dude, shut up. It's tasty. Drink it. And I, I, I do see it from the other side of that, but I, I, I think it kind of it depends on where it's coming from, right? If you're if you're using that language and those descriptors to help someone else decide what they do like, what they don't like, so they can pick a bottle off the shelf. If you're helping someone describe something to someone on the other side of the world where you can't literally just pass the glass to them, yeah, that is there's there's no pretension in that. You're not doing it to build yourself up and put someone below you. You're not doing it for wankery or anything yeah. you're just simply doing it because that's the language that two people use to talk about something they love what one of my favorite things to do actually is to have somebody and because it's not meant out of confrontation it's just because of their perspective as you quite rightly say when they do turn around and say you settle down and just drink it you know and i say okay <laughs> you're absolutely right well, let's settle down and drink it and then you choose your moment and then you say indulge me a little bit just give me a little bit of your time i've settled down and i'm drinking it but can i just and then you talk to them a little bit about the whiskey, talk to them about yeah. how it came to be, talk to them about the glass that's in front of them and the whiskey that's inside it. And and you start to have a conversation in a way that you, you're trying really hard not to be pretentious about it, but you're trying to make them see the drink as something else. Because yeah. when they're just drinking, when they're just doing this, whiskey, neat whiskey is not the drink you want to be doing that with. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not, no. Um, and if they want to do that, if they just want to drink and the, the social situation is the focus, that's fine. Maybe have something a bit lighter, a bit weaker, or put a mixer in your whiskey, whatever it may be, uh, or drink light whiskey. But if, you, if you're if you in a social situation where you're sipping neat whiskey, whiskey is very much part of the, the, the crowd, the participation in that, that situation. It becomes part of the conversation, and it's often got a lot to say. I know that's a silly thing to say, isn't it? It's one of these pretentious things. Yeah. But I find whiskey, even when I'm in company, if I'm sipping it, it's difficult to ignore. The whiskey, as really you is. drink it, yeah. it shouts at you. It's, it's asking for attention. It's asking to be in the conversation a little bit. Um, so it's trying to get that across to somebody. Just And all you need to say to them is, do you taste anything? At the, oh, yeah, I just taste whiskey. It just tastes like whiskey to me. Okay. Do you taste any banana? Do you taste any caramel? Or do you taste any of that? And in time, and they go, oh, yeah. And then you see them just having that little moment where okay, maybe there is, this isn't pretentious. Maybe there's a ton of stuff to discover in here. And that's 
that's how I've managed to convert, I'd say, the majority of my friends, actually. Because we all came, including myself, came from that perspective where whiskey was just whiskey and everything tasted yeah. and smelled like whiskey. Yeah. yeah. I think for me, too, the I, the conversation that happened with my wife that led her to enjoy it more than just a drink was because that's how it used to be between us. You know, I'd start talking about it and she'd be like, whatever, I just let, let me watch my movie and enjoy this yummy thing in my glass enough. Yeah. And it was like you'd pour something else for her and she'd go, oh, I don't like that. Hmm, interesting. So why? If, if it just tastes like whiskey, why is why is this one yummy, but this one is, eh, I don't like it. And tell me, like, help me understand so when I go to the store and buy another bottle, I can try and pick something that I think you might like. And yeah. that leads to start, oh, yeah, okay, so there, there actually is something that's different about whiskey A and whiskey B. Yeah. So how do we start talking about the the what is the language that we start using to describe those differences and what my preferences are um that's worked for me on a few people as well but oh, i mean that's one of the biggest things is to get especially through contrast or if you can get people picking up hooks so it's obvious to get a hook out of a peated whiskey Pe people taste yeah and, and medicinal notes and seaweed and all these things peat is a very obvious hook strong sherry influenced whiskey is an obvious hook and then a, then a sweet uh, caramelly vanilla bourbon cask. If you can get those three uh, cornerstones, if you like, and get people tasting this extreme difference between those three styles of... And, and mm. at this point, we're still only in the Scotch realm, right? Yeah, 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 um, yeah, totally. <laughs> if you can get them going, wow, these are clearly different drinks, and then say, okay, that's just the start. Mm. And literally, it's difficult to find uh, whiskies that are so similar you know, you need to have a, quite a collection before you start to find whiskies that are so similar they're difficult to tell apart, right? When you're yeah. sipping in contrast, of course. Um, and if you can get people intrigued that way, I think it goes a long way. And then from that, with any luck, we get to, I realize how choppy my video is. I don't know why that is. That's uh, fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> from, from that, we start to build that community that you're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. I think this is probably a good segue to start to start yeah. talking about that. And the reason I reached out to Roy is because the community that you've built is astounding to me. And I know that you've got a background in, not in that directly and not in anything necessarily YouTube related, but you've got other skills that lend itself well to this. But maybe let's start talking about the hobby itself and how a community of a hobby brings people together that wouldn't normally be together does that make yeah. sense yeah absolutely i mean the channel is kind of tongue-in-cheek founded on certain concepts and one of the concepts that it's founded on and it's on it's on the coins here i've got a i've got one of your coins here jesse um and i've got one of these fantastic <laughs> you're a superstar <laughs> you'll, on, along the rolling edge you'll see it says it's not whiskey until it's shared and of course we know that that's not true of course it's whiskey but the point of that statement is that uh, the experience the enjoyment is amplified uh, when you have the opportunity to share it we we're quite happy to find a quiet moment and pocket of time where we're sitting on our own and we're maybe analyzing and enjoying a whiskey on our own but the majority of people are drawn to that shared experience and it makes sense that it doesn't need to be just two people enjoying a drama. It can be three, four more, and it can be club level events, festivals, pubs, wherever it is. 
all I've done is take that very same concept and moved it into a kind of virtual environment in order to reach people wherever you may be. You may, you may be in the centre of London and there, there are clubs and events and shops and all sorts available to you, but you may be out in the back end of nowhere um, yeah. where it's tough to get that shared experience. So it's kind of, it's given people that regular environment where, where, where they can come to kind of rely on it if they want, if they choose to and get together and they start to recognize the people, they start to make friends and they start to connect. And then they realize that the whiskey brought them there, but then the whiskey took a back seat and let them just be people, sociable beings. That's, I think, a very good point. And I think that echoes to any any hobby I've ever been part of that forms that really strong sense of community. It's always that the hobby is a catalyst to get people together that without that catalyst, maybe don't have any particular right or that's not the right word, but any particular need or obvious link together. And it's it, it seems more obvious to me in the whiskey community in many ways and in the distilling community too than most other hobbies if you look at other hobbies there's quite often a type right you know there's quite often a a stereotypical sort of person and i think in whiskey that's that's somewhat true but the people that i met at their bastards ball the people that i met traveling around from distillery to distillery if you put them all together and took whiskey completely out of the equation people would be baffled as to why they're all together right absolutely absolutely <laughs> i mean it's it's something it's something that we all talk about you'll hear me talking about it regularly where we talk about the only thing that's probably brought all those people together is whiskey whiskey and that community that gathering doesn't care what you do for a living it doesn't care how you eat how you pray how you vote nothing no. it, you leave gatherings and make strong lifelong friends and you walk away thinking I don't even know if that guy is married. I don't even, <laughs> I don't even know if that woman has kids. You're right. You're totally and, right. Yeah. You know, it, things like that, it, it's bizarre that it can function that way, but it does. It's just we completely focus on this really immersive shared experience that is the whiskey, and we enjoy the fact that we don't need to worry about all the things that divide, and we can focus a little bit on these very strong compelling themes that unite and that is addictive and that's what builds community i think i think you're right and one of the very refreshing things for for me about six months ago to a year ago and up until recently was the fact that more and more increasingly i was seeing people not do that right if you didn't vote the same way that i vote we can't be friends yeah yeah and it was super refreshing to step into a position where it was the opposite it was let's let's get together over something that's common and decide that actually we are both decent human beings that can form a form a friendship yeah oh by the way we disagree we we completely butt heads on a different topic but we've already built this bond so now we can talk through that and actually see the other person's side of the argument so before that was you touch on politics before, yeah, yeah. You, you've not judged the person based on a, his or her's global outlook, his yeah. geopolitical standing. You've judged them as a person first, as a human. <laughs> yeah, and, and then if they turn out to be completely polar opposite with you on a subject, 
the bond is already there holding you together. Yeah. So maybe even as that evolves and progresses, you've given yourself a platform for healthy debate rather than conflict and confrontation. That's um, exactly my point, Ray, and it's um, it was I really it, I want to see that. And there's a statement that my friend the Whiskey Rev used to always say, and I think it's a, a Homer Simpson thing, but he said, whiskey, is there anything it can't do? <laughs> and he's a perfect example because I was raised a Roman Catholic. Um, I don't follow a, that religion anymore or any religion, honestly. Uh, my wife does. Uh, my wife is Protestant. And uh, the Whiskey Rev, my friend, the, the Rev actually means reverend. He's a, he's a minister, but he's a Church of Scotland Protestant minister. Theoretically, him and I should be oil and water. Mm. Never the twain shall meet. And yet we <laughs> became very, very close friends, fully at the hands of whiskey. Some people have asked uh, Graham directly, um, maybe through the church or whatever, the fact that Roy doesn't come to church or do anything like that. And Graham has just looked him straight in the eye and said, you don't need to convert everyone. <laughs> yeah. you know, he's so what he's saying there is to be is to follow his own his own faith, I guess, and judge everybody based on the fact that they're people first. Yeah. Um, um and, and it's kind of it's whiskey that's kind of allows people just to adjust their focus a little bit in our community, certainly, and mm. care a bit less about these really divisive things. And we're at a time now in human history that I feel that we're almost so polarized. Um, it used to be much more granular, but there's either there's just a strong left and a strong right now, yeah. and this golden middle we're all seeking, right? And I think that whiskey can help us in a very small way, perhaps. But I want to make it as big a way as possible. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, <laughs> can help us kind of see things from each other's perspectives a wee bit. And I'm saying that at eleven o'clock, twenty past eleven in the morning here, without a, I've not had a dram, so. <laughs> I, I've had a few. I've had a couple for both of us. I uh, I have I have this now, and uh, I've got some, uh, maybe some Ardbeg coming up next. But I I thoroughly I, I completely and utterly agree with you, Roy. And I think it is that if you build a relationship first, when you realize you when you realize that you disagree wholeheartedly with someone on something, you know. Oh, <laughs> don't let me twist your arm, dude. <laughs> It's uh, th these are exceptional times that we live in, Jesse. So, <laughs> for those of you listening to the podcast later, I was um, showing Roy that I had a, a glass in hand. I've been sipping since we started, but yeah, I, I, when you realize that you disagree wholeheartedly with someone that you know you care about and someone that you know is a good human being, you have to look back into yourself and sort of retrospectively back through your relationship. And you know that there's a foundation at some point where you agree. Yeah. And it's and 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 that logically has to leave to it lead to a conclusion that somewhere along the line, someone has a belief or something that is perhaps intangible, something that perhaps is irrational. But if you grant them that one little kernel of something, everything beyond that makes sense and you can understand how they got to the answer they got to. And as soon yeah. as you realize that, the, the problem that you're talking about here is no longer the boogeyman that stops you being friends, right? And yeah, something like whiskey or home distilling or it removes that. Yeah, it's that belief and kind of 
the good human that we do exist. And, and you know, I, I, know, I know we seem to be doing, doing our best to try and self-destruct regularly. But yeah, we always thrive. We always kind of, so, so the core must be there. You know, people must be inherently good, I think. Mm. Um, and it's finding the good in people everywhere. Um, and whiskey in the whiskey community, any gathering and environment that I've been to, like you mentioned at the Bastards Ball, we've had gatherings in, in the UK and Europe regularly where everybody, and you realize you're aware that this is probably quite a disparate bunch of people that wouldn't normally have a platform or a venue to connect. But here mm. they are all together and they're all having literally a ball. They're all having yeah. a really, really good time. And as I've said before, I'll say it again, the whiskey is the thing that's brought us together, but it's taken a back seat at that point. People in that moment when they are happy, yes, they're enjoying whiskey, but what they're actually enjoying is the is the people element. The community is what they're enjoying. I guess where I was going with that earlier is that that's how I felt about community with a hobby or with a passion like this before the situation that's unfolded now, right? Yeah. Now it's a totally different feeling to me where I feel like current events have almost forced people to realize that the things you're battling about on a day to day basis don't matter and that there's bigger concerns. Yeah. And now it's almost the opposite. Now it's that everyone's in lockdown and everyone's, well, depending on where you are, people like me, and I know you were saying beforehand as well, I, I'm just horrible at reaching out to people and having any contact with humans <laughs> if I'm not forced to. But this community, in the wider sense, and the, the the channel and the YouTube thing is forcing me to talk to people. And here I am. Look, like there's no way I'd be talking to you and having this conversation, which is going to make me feel more fulfilled when I go to bed tonight, <laughs> if it wasn't for the community and for this platform. And I think there's something to be said for that as well. I think there's a lot of people that would be in danger of estranging themselves from the whole world if it wasn't yeah. for this thing. Yes. We're all getting a taste of social isolation now. I think is what the, what I touched on earlier. I don't know if we were live at that point, but the reason, one of the reasons that this whole persona, this Aquavite persona, was created, is that my wife spotted some health issues in me, working mm. at home for from home for twenty five years. Uh, you know, I used to be busy and active and out and traveling a lot and things, but as that my role developed. There was more and more home time. Um, and then as the young family comes along and uh, everybody goes off to have young families, all your friends, your peer group go and do that at the same time, some divorce, some relocation through work, whatever your your friendship bases you touched on as we started to speak shrinks quite quickly. Mm. Social isolation becomes something that's not a decision you made. It's not a choice. It's just something that you suddenly find yourself in. And you're and you're doing it less and less as you as you get old, a little bit older, perhaps too. So th so my wife spotted that in me and actively encouraged me to do something. That has helped me hugely. It's helped me to reconnect with people again. But the people I'm connecting with say exactly what you are just saying often, mm. and that they found themselves in a similar situation. They reached out, perhaps through technology, social media channels, YouTube, whatever it may be, and they discovered a community. And the community was way more welcoming and way more inclusive than they ever expected it to be. In the digital world, it's easy to hide behind a veil and smash away your opinions at a keyboard. <laughs> it come is, off yeah. really quite difficult, you know. 
And in the whiskey community, that sense of this shared experience again kind of breaks that down and kind of whiskey, I, I always say, it kind of almost demands that in a whiskey environment that you become a better version of yourself almost in order to participate in all that positivity, all that kind of connectedness, all that happiness. This sounds very cheesy. We're not selling anything here, Jesse. We're actively <laughs> talking about something we've experienced. Am I right or wrong? It no, you're right. You're 100% right. It, it, it's funny because you mentioned earlier that you're not, you don't follow any particular religion. And yet the, the branding and the messaging for your channel is packed full of it. Yes. And I must admit, dude, I must admit, when I when I first found you, I kind of thought, oh, no, what is this? Until yeah. I realized that it was tongue in, not, not, it's not tongue in cheek because it's. It's it, used out it, of context for sure. It, it's, well, it's, it, it's like you've taken those words back and turned them into what they actually mean. You've given them context again, rather than them being used as a trope, if that makes sense. Absolutely. It makes sense. you Ralphie was on the show a year ago, just over a year ago, and he, on live on air, you can see him kind of scolding me for using the evangelism word. Yeah, um, right. Because of its religious connotation. And he said that to me over time, any time that we met or whatever, it was kind of always something that he said that he felt was, um, and I think he's trying to give me a bit of advice there because he's he thinks that I'm maybe isolating myself from people who would maybe judge me before they see me like maybe you did a little bit there. Mm. But, but it's about, I'm using the evangelism, not in the religious sense, but in its true kind of uh, much more wider meaning. I don't know if... No, I, I I totally know what you mean. I don't quite know how to articulate it, but... Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of trying to say I am evangelizing um, because the only other word I can think of is enthusing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not yeah. powerful enough. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, so I... I I find it interesting that to go back to your point about us sounding like we're uh, trying to pitch something here, because <laughs> it's kind of the same thing, right? The, uh, the language and the description and the, um, I guess kind of emotion that it brings up can be quite overwhelming for someone that doesn't, that doesn't partake in the same enjoyment of the same hobby as you, which I think to be honest, probably comes back to that things looking pretentious and snobby and douchey from the outside. Right. Yes. If, if we were talking about any topic like this in front of people that didn't like the topic we were talking about, we'd come off that way. I, I think that's almost no doubt unavoidable. Yeah. Awareness is the first step in everything, any in anything, and I think just the fact that we're admitting that and talking about it puts us in a better place because we're still going to get caught out. We're still going to speak in a way that's going to be overheard by somebody, and somebody's just going to narrow their eyes and say, "Listen to this idiot." <laughs> Um, but you know that's just people. It's a people thing there, and w we need to temper it for the try and keep it appropriate for the right uh, people, their audience, and things. But you know what? There's an argument for sometimes just going with it, letting the passions run, and things. And if you find yourself in company that allow you to indulge in all the tasting notes, all the phrases, that's then that's a nice place to be because you can communicate with people on a level that's freeing. Mm. Um, but I guess that there are environments and there are friends and company that we'll find ourselves in that we probably need to be a little bit aware that um, we're excluding them, probably. That's the way to put it. Or yeah. they just don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's because like you're going to run into that, right? You yeah, really you're going to. You need to in order to get somebody enjoying whiskey and seeing what what it can offer. You need that sliver of curiosity, and if somebody's doors are completely sealed shut, just leave them. Yeah. There's no there's no point in trying. But if the if there's a, a sliver of light coming through that open door, a sliver of curiosity, show, just invite them in mm. because you can actively change people's lives. I've through whiskey. It's bizarre that this higher alcohol spirit is a healthier way to enjoy alcohol, right? And the more you go down your whiskey journey, the higher the ABV becomes. It becomes dangerous. Mm. But I can spend two hours with a single glass of cast strength whiskey. Yep. I don't want to admit how many beers I can put away in two hours. Well, I mean, case in point, right? I poured a, a small. This was a small pour, and I think I poured it before you went live. If that was a, a pint of beer, I would have been looking for another one probably 15 minutes ago. Yeah. But it, it's bizarre people's perception, isn't it? Like there's, yeah. there's a lady at work that every time I talk to her, she's like, oh, I guess you're feeling slow today because of the hangover. I'm like, what? Dude, I've, I I drink less now than I've ever drunk Agreed. since I was legal. And it's not it's not about drinking. It's that every now and again, getting a buzz is a happy side effect to it. But more often than not, I would rather not get drunk because <laughs> I, I just want to enjoy the whiskey, you know, and I've got other things that I need to do. That's clear. Yeah. I, I drink less now than I've ever done. I'm very proud to say that my children have never seen me drunk. Yep. Um, I mean, don't get me, They've seen me with a glow and happy and things. Yeah. But- I think you know what we're talking about. They've never been intimidated by daddy drinking or mm. um, anything. And, you you know, obviously that's a lot to do with choices that you make as a parent and a human and everything. But of course, once yeah. games helped me do that because I do slow down my intake. And when, when you're drinking whiskey, you're going to be thirsty. So you're reaching for a thirst quenching thing like water or something on the side. Yeah. Um, which is healthy to do as well. Whereas if you're drinking beer, you're using the beer to quench your thirst. Um, and you don't realize that that's what you're doing. And you're in this cycle where you're having more beer to quench your thirst. That's causing you to be more thirsty. And, um, and I don't, I don't want to knock beer at all because there's ways to enjoy any alcohol in a very responsible way. Mm. I think once you get past drinking and start to taste, that's the big difference. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Whether it's craft beer or gin wines, once you're tasting as opposed to drinking, I think that's quite a shift to make. Yeah. yeah. It's it's just, it's, I, there's such a stigma with it. Oh, but it's so strong. I had a friend come around and I poured him eight things to try, but everyone was like an eighth of a standard drink. You know, it was literally just enough to try. And then his wife was like, oh, you really shouldn't drive now. I was like, he has, he, he didn't even finish it. He hasn't had a standard drink yet. If he just had one beer, would you even be saying anything? And it's not that I'm like, oh, drink and drive, it's fine. It's just that I keep noticing these things pop up where people people see the ABV on the bottle and automatically equate that to getting drunk. It's it's yeah. I don't it's bizarre to me. I don't understand it. <laughs> I, I have the I have the same issue where people come into my house and they see the whiskey because the whiskey's literally it's filling two cabinets in the dining room. <laughs> My studio here, the first room that they pass in the house is dripping with whiskey everywhere. And you can see their face. And if they've never seen it before, it, the, 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 you can see panic. They're going, this guy's an alcoholic. Yep. He's an alcoholic. Get the kids out of here quick. Yeah. 
And then, then you'd say, you know, you start to talk about it and you start talking about it in a lighthearted way and you talk about, um, before you get into the concepts that we're discussing here, you just mentioned, listen, if I, if, I, if I had a real alcohol problem, a drinking problem, this whiskey wouldn't exist. It wouldn't be here. <laughs> <laughs> and it would I not be the drug of choice. I am <laughs> you would not be buying $100 bottles. <laughs> yeah, I'm drinking such little amounts. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's that huge thing. Um, and it's just getting people past the idea of drinking and getting them thinking about concepts like tasting and appreciation and analyzing whiskey. And as dull as that may sound, if, you, if you're outside the bubble, as soon as you step inside, it's one of the most fascinating things to, ex to exist. Oh, it totally uh, is, yeah. I've, con I've often talked about a very real story that happened. We had a teacher, one of the kids' school teachers here, one evening and her husband was here as well and he gifted me a bottle he brought a bottle along with him so he was clearly somebody who enjoyed whiskey but he enjoyed it as a drink and he would put right. a mixer in it and just drink it as a drink so he enjoyed the taste of whiskey but i was talking to him about all these concepts Arbego Goodell, nice one that's 54%, for christina 54 percent, exactly what we're talking about right and you can easily enjoy it neat anyway um He's sitting at the table and we're, we're enjoying neat whiskey together. I'm talking to him about these ideas that we are discussing right now. And, and he kind of just shakes his head and he goes, Roy, stop. He said, tell me, I taste whiskey. I've been drinking whiskey for years because I like the taste of whiskey. What do you taste in whiskey? What is it that you taste? And I was kind of stumped and there was that kind of microsecond of a kind of pause, a pregnant pause at the table, a silence. And I said, everything. <laughs> that's, that's true. And he said, oh, come on, come on, come on, everything. And I said, okay, indulge me. Just say anything, any kind of flavor or aroma that you've ever experienced in your life. And if I haven't experienced it in a glass of whiskey, I'll say so. But probably I've read it somewhere. And it got mm. crazy. We started to talk about grass and dirt and tree bark and uh, metals and chemicals and all of these things. It got crazy. But we know that it all exists inside a glass of whiskey. Everything you've ever tasted and everything you've yet to taste is there in some glass of some whiskey somewhere. Um, and, and by the end of the evening when he was leaving, when he said goodbye, he admitted that he got it, he understood it. Now, I'm not saying mm. that he could taste, but there was enough of an experience through the whiskeys that we shared that night that he understood that it was way beyond that sense, that flavor of whiskey and a mixer that he's been drinking for years. Um, so I find myself being pretentious and saying ridiculously fanciful things like <laughs> everything but, is in whiskey. Yeah. But we can justify it. And you as a, as a distiller, you're chasing that everything. You're trying to find ways to put that in the spirit and then mature it in a way that it can deliver everything. You understand yeah. it on a very general oh, level, right? I, I don't understand it. But what I don't understand is when I find people that love geeking out on how to make whiskey, when those are the people that tell me, just shut up and drink it and enjoy it. Yeah. You hand them a glass of whiskey and I like it. That's the end of the discussion. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it blows my mind. It's like, okay, dude, so you like this one and you don't like that one, but you don't want to talk about what the difference between these two are so that you can go home and figure out where that flavor is coming from and how to manipulate it. And if you like this flavor, how to give you more of that. And if you don't like that, how to dial it down. I, 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 bleh, bleh, I can't even talk. 
But that's <laughs> that why blows my I mind. guess that's why you in your channel you call it chasing the craft. Yeah, that's the whole point. And to be honest, the 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 reason that that is front and center on the channel is that I want to from the get go. Is if someone finds my channel, if you're here to figure out how to get drunk at home for free, you found the wrong guy. <laughs> Leave now. <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah, and that, I mean that's the whole point. So I I think we've in some ways beaten that topic not nearly to death. I think we could go on for much longer, but I did want to touch on the idea of community for the commercial world. And this is a really interesting topic to me. And and just to, to let you know, the reason that I want to talk about this is that a lot of the people that are going to listen to this podcast are taking the craft of home distilling super seriously. And there's people that are sitting on the fence of jumping into the professional side of things. Professional, yeah understand yep or they've leapt and now they're they're looking for more information right yeah and the reason that part of me is is reluctant to talk about this is you see this being used as a weapon in the commercial world and community yeah community and and it's been weaponized (laughs) for a lot of people and and what i mean when i say that is that it is it is pretentious it is fake it is not authentic but they're pretending that it is and you know inevitably that that's going to come falling down around their ears um but in the meantime that can do some harm right and it can rob people of time money resource whatever it happens to be so yeah like i said at the very beginning um you're about the exact opposite of that spectrum as you could possibly be so I'd be really interested to hear your take on how building a community or how uh, sparking, igniting, causing, being the catalyst for a community can be used in a positive way for marketing, for branding, for the commercial side of things. I have to say my day job is that, okay? My day job is taking these concepts and trying to apply it in order to make it fruitful and productive in a commercial sense. Listen, business and industry, especially traditional businesses and traditional industries, will always be following culture and trends at a huge distance. They just don't move Mm. quickly enough. They're not open-minded enough. Concepts dawn on them often when it's far too late, and I find that in my day job. I have a very forward-thinking CEO um, to the point that some of his thoughts and ideas sound very maverick and challenging, but it's just because he's so open-minded and he's trying to think ahead of the curve all the time. So so when when businesses and communities, um, because at one point I was tasked with trying to build a community for my day job. For my day job, I had to build a community, but it's not community. It's the specter of community. Yeah. What you're trying to do is, is, is to attract a following, a fan base, uh, people who are engaging, clicking like, following, viewing something or whatever. Um, but that they're all doing it on a very bi-directional way, okay? So it's the company, follower, mm. interaction. And to the company, they see that as community. We know that that's not. Community is when the community is a completely um, separate thing that are interacting amongst themselves and sharing information, sharing knowledge, sharing shared experiences. Now, mm. the community needs access to the commercial product, whatever it may be, in our case, it's whiskey. They need access to it. 
but they don't want the access forced on them. They don't want the language forced on them. They don't want stories and whimsy and nonsense. When a community builds around an industry or a product, it's not just a crowd of people. A community of value builds based on knowledge. So when the industry comes at them and said, we made this product because of this and it's nonsense, it'll be treated as nonsense and they will always be kept at a distance and they'll be forced to follow. When, when any producer decides that they're going to be open about all the processes, when they're going to say, you know what, this is a price point whiskey. We need to make as much of this as possible. We need to fight with everybody else in the supermarket shelves. We're going to try and make it as good as we possibly can for that price point. All of these whiskies over here, we're going to put out 46% plus. We're going to unchill filter them. We're not going to color them. And we're going to give you an age statement. If we can't give you an age statement, we'll tell you why. We haven't given you an age statement because it's been made of a vatting of products that span four decades. Something like this. Mm. Okay? They're going to give us as much information as they can within the regulations. That builds community because there's a trust there. So when brands talk about the community, they're often talking about the specter of community. When brands see communities building like around our channels, when they see a community building like in the Whiskey Tribe in the States, um, uh, the community building around Ralphie's channel, when they see that, they, th they think, okay, how can we do that? And sorry, you can't and you don't need to. It already exists. Mm. Concentrate on bringing the best possible product and you've got a community of evangelists out there that will take care of it all for you. And, and if they're kind of making things that are price point and pointing in a different direction from that community, why do they want to build community? You don't want community. You just want people to pick up your product going through airport travel retail. Don't talk <laughs> about community. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's different. Um, so yeah, so when all often when people came to me in my day job and talked about building a following and community and things, they didn't actually know what they were asking for and what would what it would put on their shoulders to produce. Mm. Um, so it's interesting. It's interesting times. And and I'm constantly talking to marketing and communications people regularly. And I think we're 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 passing that stage now. Most of them are starting to understand those very basic things as we all kind of grapple with new technologies and new ways of building community, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and well, and it's interesting to me too, because I feel like that's being forced on on the commercial world because the individual, the community, the consumer is so much more savvy now than they were six months ago, a year ago, 10 years ago. Yeah. They see right through that stuff and whether it be, uh, you know, sort of disingenuous labeling claims on a bottle or on a packet, whether it be a half-baked attempt to create their own media or their own community, yeah. people smell bullshit a mile away. And I think that's starting to reflect on, I mean, look at, look at Facebook advertising, right? When that first came out, that was a gold mine. You put a buck in, you get three back. It was almost like guaranteed. But now it's the complete and utter opposite. You put a buck in and you'll get 20 cents back. And the idea is that you try and turn that 20 cents into $2 over the next five years of the lifetime of that consumer. And I, I think the idea of, of uh, 
community has gone that way as well. And I've had this conversation with people. I've had the, hey, we've got this awesome brand. We'd love to start a YouTube channel to advertise our products. Okay, cool. Are you in the business of making a product or in the business of making a YouTube channel? Because if you want to go that route, that's cool, but it's going to take you two years, three years, five years of putting a video out every single day that has nothing to do with the advantages of your product. Yeah. You know, you make yeah. six videos and maybe you buy yourself the right to put one video out that's actually advertising your crap. Yeah. It's, it's when people see the YouTube content or any social media channel as a delivery system, as a, as a, yes. a megaphone, yes, when they don't realize that that isn't a megaphone, that in itself, whatever channel it may be, Instagram, YouTube, mm. that in itself is a thing and it can exist in its own right and it can apply and offer value in its own right. And it's only when people realize that, exactly the investment that you're talking about there, that they realize that, okay, this is a different thing. We are not in the business of making uh, social media channels and uh, YouTube content or whatever it may be. We're in the business of making a product. We need to work out a way in order to mutually, beneficially uh, work with these things that already exist. Because imagine mm. if it and tried to build its own YouTube community in YouTube. <laughs> yeah, it, It's not going to function, right? The community is going to be so granular and so fragmented that the community is actually dissolved by that. What, what you need is the community to build in a positive way and then find ways that you have a value to offer that community. And then you don't need to ask to be to come in. You'll actively be invited in. Yeah, yeah, totally. I um, think that's the key to, to any of this, right? If you're trying to use anything to, to, to do with community or building a, I don't like the word influencer and I don't like the word following because it's been polluted in the same way that evangelism yeah, but we also the context is everything and if influencer is the right word or if or if it, you, we use it we're you know we don't judge each other jesse because we know the context that we're talking yeah. about we understand yeah. exactly what you mean yeah I, I think if you're if you're in the business of doing any of that the key is value like you said right the you, you have to be able to distance yourself from you know I make this bottle of spirits and I know it's so awesome. So if I put it out there, everyone else will know it's awesome too. You have to completely detach yourself from everything you know or that you want people to know about you and put yourself in the shoes of the person that's going to be receiving whatever it is that you're putting out there. And does that offer value without this? If you took this away from the picture, does that thing yes is it something that they want to consume anyway and and what's an amazing hammer blow demonstration i think of what you're talking about is the fact that people are making a product there and what they're hoping to do is sell a product for more than it costs them to make it and that's how they can exist as a business mm. and that's fantastic and that gives them layers of things to invest in marketing and advertising and all of these things but now that we're in a modern world where technology has come in and created all of these things that didn't used to exist, such as YouTube content is the prime example, they're thinking the YouTube model used to be one where you set up, you went to a, you know, a, a manufacturer, a producer, whatever it may be, they gave you free stuff and you reviewed it and you talked about it. And you could sustain yourself and you could get lots of free stuff. But then concepts like community funding came along mm. through models like Patreon. And suddenly, 
you're in a situation where you go, wait a minute, I can be, I don't need to ask for free stuff. And I don't need anything. I don't, in fact, if, if producers give me free whiskey, it's a burden. I've got more whiskey than I can. <laughs> I don't know what to do with it. So that's a big shift right there. When you tell people, yeah. uh, thank you for the offer, please don't send that to me. Um, I don't I don't know what to do with it. However, one of those samples I'm interested in, tell me about that, and I'd like to go and buy it by myself. That's quite a, that's a, a, land, uh, a landslide change right there. Yeah. And then the next thing that you can do with that is you suddenly put yourself in a position that you're completely independent. And as long as you're not being deliberately controversial, but you're actively sharing honest, as flat, honest opinions as you possibly can, you build that value to that community and then you become more valuable to that producer as well because they then seek you to be positive about their product but they know that it can only happen if they have a good quality product. So they just and, concentrate on what they're good at. You yeah. concentrate on what you're good at. Yeah. And the community are happy consuming what they enjoy. Yeah. That well, and they can actually listen product. to you because they know you're independent, like you said, right? And yeah, absolutely. And you don't, it doesn't have to be hardline one way or the other. I mean, if if someone, uh, I'll be honest about it, if someone gets in touch with me and say says hey, we've built a widget. We think you'd really love the widget. Widgets are awesome. You need a widget. I'll say, sure, send it to me. I'll try it. I'll tell you what I think of it before I put it in the video. But the widget, like you're sending that to me and that has nothing to do with whether or not it's going to get into a video or whether or not I'm going to advertise it. If I try it and I like it and I put it in a video, I'll tell people what I actually think about it. Yeah. Not, not, oh, I'm getting a free widget and that's worth a hundred dollars. So now I have to put it in a video and tell you, yeah. tell people I yeah. love it. Like it, that, that just destroys everything we stand for. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oftentimes these widgets, I mean, they're not, they're not things that we get on loan because they're worth so much money or anything. And we need to box up and send back these things that tend to be things that are affordable. Um, and, and oftentimes, you know, it gets to the point that, well, if, if this is a value to the community, I don't really want to be spending my money on all of these affordables. I'd rather just pick, kind of pick a few here. And it really mm. depends on the context of what you're what you're reviewing and what you're talking about. I, I have the luxury, and I have to be honest, Jesse, I think you do too, that neither of us are single product reviewers. We don't sit down and review no. isolated products, we, or we do in a very soft way, let's say. Mm. But what we do is we're able to talk about much more general concepts, and it kind of puts us in a slightly more comfortable position, I think. Yeah. Um, whereas I mean, if yeah, you're trying to do one or two videos a week, every week, how can you sustain that? Your community needs to be huge in order to be able to afford that kind of outlay. So yeah, yeah it, is the, it does get to the point that you do need to do exactly what you're talking about. You need to take the product, make a decision whether you like it. If you don't like it, talk to the producer and say, uh, I'm going to say these things about this. Do you really want me putting out a video about this? I don't think I want to talk about this. And find other ways like that to to not have to um, rely on uh, free stuff, I guess. I yeah, know. yeah, yeah, totally. And, um, I mean, the, the reason that we have people backstage right now is that both of us have utilized the Patreon model. Yes. And... It blows my mind every single day that I get a reminder that Patreon exists, that anyone would want to 
um, essentially send me money to keep doing what I do. But the very fact that people do that, I, I've realized that one, it helps me justify my time, right? If I didn't have a budget for the channel and it was a financial burden on the family, I wouldn't be able to keep doing it. Like just yeah. real talk. That's the way it is, right? But it's more than just having a budget for the channel and being able to justify my time, you know, to be able to support the family through it. It's now I wake up and I've had a long day and I really don't want to spend two hours in front of a computer screen editing before I run out to the shed and run the still for eight hours. Oh, yeah. but there's these people that believe in me enough to send me money every month. I'm going to yeah. get my ass out of bed, you know? Yeah. So I, I've realized that it's important for me from that point of view as well. And yeah. I can't thank those people enough for it. And it, I, I think that in and of itself removes that whole, it, it removes the transaction of the value for the channel, right? You're no longer just, you're no longer plugging a widget to get money from the widget people. Yeah, what's amazing about it is you're going to keep creating the content anyway. These people are paying you to support you, to encourage you, knowing all the while that if they don't pay, that content will still come. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, it makes me emotional. I find it hard to hold it together when I talk about <laughs> it. Because it, it does, when you, you said it blows your mind, and you mean that it literally makes it difficult to comprehend. Oh, but yeah. Yeah, I mean need, that very, very yeah. specifically. I... I I'm not just paying lip service there or anything. It's, it's, I'm yeah, all I can't put into words. Ways to trying to find different ways to say thank you without making it sound thank you, thank you, thank you. And it's just become, <laughs> <related. laughs> right? Yeah. Constantly you're like, no, but I really am so thankful. But I have to go back to when I was a fan, when I wasn't a creator, when I was watching channels that I really enjoyed, I was a patron of them before. And then mm. I understood that I felt good about that and I got something out of that. But now that I'm on the other side of it, I have I have to keep that perspective and understand that that it's something that's it's very two way. It's not it's not just you taking money from the community. It's yeah. that you then have to bring the best that you possibly can for the community, um, and it's always optional. It's never obligatory, and they can take yes. it any time that, that they want, and they can support yeah. when it's appropriate for them to support. It's um, especially. Yeah when the world turns itself on its head and things yeah. are tough for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so please yeah. guys, I've had a few people email me or, or message me and say, um, I'm sorry, but I, you owe me nothing. I yeah. owe you. <laughs> so please. Absolutely. agree. Absolutely. agree. And uh, you know, it bears to, we, we have to wait and see how things are going to, um, how play out over the next few weeks and months ahead, how long this is going to be. I, I am expecting to, to take a hit there, but March has been fantastic for me again. And, and I think it's because people appreciate that, you know, you're saying, wait a minute, I'm not frontline. <laughs> I can't do really yeah, yeah. anything. I can't do all. The only thing I can do is, is schedule more VPUBs, more lives, more community time, more. It's the only thing I can do to affect. That the people really want that right now? I don't know. And then the self-doubt kicks in, imposter syndrome, all of these things. So you just ask your patrons, how do you feel about more content? And they say, yes, of course, Roy. And then you, so you bring more content. It's well-received. It's well-attended. And then you realize, damn it, it's not much, but I can do something. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Thank you, patrons. Thank you, patrons. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. There's I'll tears in your eyes. I'll never tire of saying it. Yeah. All right, I know that uh, Roy needs to get out of here pretty soon, team. So I just want to I want to 
cover this off by having a a real quick talk about what people can do if you own a craft distillery what you can actively do to market your product i'm using air quotes here that you probably can't see if you listen to the podcast to uh, and then we're gonna sorry Roy. to a community yeah yeah uh, and then, uh, and then we're going to get out of here, and we're going to do a real quick Q and A session with the Patreons to uh, to try and say thank you to them. <laughs> and um, and then we're going to let Roy get back to lunch after he's had a whiskey or two. <laughs> I've only had one, but if you're going to have one whiskey at eleven in the morning, it's going to be a forty-one year old, right? It's a, oh, yeah, it was given to me by Scott Monroe. This is a North Star Vega, forty-one year old, forty-six percent. But as you say, I mean that this was already half empty i've only poured this much and i'm still sipping it now but it does the taste of it is wonderful i do feel a little bit of guilt as i look around in broad daylight and at this time of the morning having that taste <laughs> right i feel like i should be in a whiskey distillery tour or something um but no it's it's uh yes i'll have this one and then i'm on to lunch i'm not driving anywhere today anyway come on it's we're locked down so yeah so, q a would be would be nice but continue jesse sorry no no don't be sorry um, so I, I think I, I, I am starting to get more people, A, that have been in the community for some time that have now transitioned to being professionals um, and also professionals that are in the community that are starting to find the content that I'm creating and people asking questions or asking what they can do or how they can work with us. And for me, the, the answer to that is super simple, right? If you're in the industry presuming you're making a good product, <laughs> yeah, yeah. then you've got knowledge that I want. You've got knowledge, understanding, experience that I want to know about. And generally that relates to what the viewers want to know as well. If, if I want to geek out on something, yeah. the people that watch the channel want to geek out on it too. So the easiest way to quote unquote market your product is for me anyway, from my point of view, is to get in touch with me and organize something like this. So instead of talking about community, we can talk about whatever it is that you geek out about. If you love yeast and that's where you get your house flavor from, cool, let's talk about yeast. And I, I think I really need to, this is a great time to flag this and this is something that I'm passionate about. Home distillers are not there to rob you of your business. They're gonna, are you still there, Roy? You've yeah, frozen up. Yeah. Oh, you are? Okay, cool. <laughs> I'm hooked on what you're saying, absolutely. Sorry, guys, we're having technical difficulties here. Uh, damn you, coronavirus. But, you can um, hear me though, right? I can. I can hear you wonderfully. Silky smooth. Uh, where was I? I was mid-rant. Uh, yes, home distillers are not there to rob you of your business. In fact, if you're making a good product and you're making a craft, quote-unquote craft product, they're more likely to buy from you because they want a commercial stick in the sand to compare their product to. They want a commercial lens to look at their hobby still through. They want a commercial example to bring them into a new genre or a new sort of type of spirit. I'd never had a crazy, funky, pot-stilled Jamaican rum before. So when I wanted to make one, the first thing I did is went out and spent way too much money on a bottle of rum before I made a rum, which just yeah. makes sense, right? And it, yeah. this has been shown over and over again in the craft beer world that craft brewers, home brewers, buy more craft beer <laughs> than other people. It's just this is what they do, man. Like it, yeah, the, the yeah. whole idea of oh, well, we're not going to get our tax dollars, or 
we're not going to be able to sell beer to these people is just it's ludicrous so my point being is that you've got a huge opportunity there as a craft distiller to tap into that community by sharing what it is that you do and yeah. being authentic which is what roy yeah. was saying earlier um so that's that's i guess my piece from from where i sit how, how about you Ray? like when it's more of a, a review well, and discussion when you, of the when product. you talk about home distilling and the, the moving from home distilling into it being a, a commercial business and trying to bring something that you can then market um and uh, monetize in order to to make a business out of it i get frustrated with the whiskey industry because they've been making a product for hundreds of years that is already firing passions in people Mm. their battle is already won <laughs> it's like they're holding this thing and they choose to destroy it when they when it goes wrong right it's like they've they've already got something that's impassioning people it's not going to be difficult to take it it's just going to be down to being obtuse or difficult or not open-minded enough or having a really but in your scenario what what needs to happen is that there needs to be the modern way of doing things is not setting yourself up as an isolated uh, business and and kind of just trying to do have these kind of bi-directional point-to-point sales with people mm. that's not work. it's a much bigger thing you have to have a much bigger value and the way that you expand and and make your value more is by collaboration now collaboration interesting. if i was to describe that to you would sound a lot like competition in the traditional sense <laughs> but it isn't because when you collaborate everybody working together raises the value offering for the community the product and you cross pollinate followers too right you you bring Absolutely. people from both tribes or camps to the same thing and if you try to hide in your bubble say, no no people i only want people to buy my thing my thing my thing my thing carry on the community will isolate you because the value offering of these guys over here that are doubling their offer by collaborate, collaborating and being much more open because they are authentic, they've got nothing to hide, they can be honest. And by through that, through that model of collaboration, setting up, um, like a, a whiskey festival is a perfect example. If you go to a whiskey festival, you've got competitors lined up next to each other, table to table. And they quickly realize that they are the same people they are friends they're doing it the same way their audience is the same and in that whiskey festival they endear themselves much more because they're not trying to differentiate themselves they're yeah. standing up and saying we're part of a bigger picture here here's our product it's optional do you want to do you want to hear about it you know if not here's here's our friends over here from another place or whatever that's a very very powerful thing and it's something that traditional businesses are still struggling with we call it in marketing, we call it congruence and congruent marketing. You know, the idea that a McDonald's can sell much more McDonald's product if they position themselves next to a Burger King, you know, or and a KFC. If they're all together, lots of people are going to head there because all the choices and the, the variation, the choice is there. Whereas if McDonald's decides, no, I don't like KFC and Burger King, I'm going to go away over there. Well, they're probably going to find that more people are going to go to the KFC Burger King joint. So they have yeah. to get together. They have to be in this collaborative environment where they can offer more to their potential audience. That that very aspect of, of collaboration sparks community. There's an inevitability. That's mm. exciting. That's interesting. That's kind of a, look at Iron Root in Texas, one of the most openly collaborative with other distillers, 
with other uh, marketing channels, social media channels, it doesn't matter. They're open. They want to talk about the product any way you want. They'll mm. take any question you like, any prickly question. Now, they're not the only ones doing it, but they're, they were one of the first and one of the most open that I came across. And it's starting to happen in other places, even in the traditional old world of Scotch whiskey now, where mm. to see people open up a little bit. So if craft distilling can tap into that idea of collaboration and not trying to build a community channel by channel by channel by channel, but coming together, that's the way to do it. And they probably need somebody, a creator like you, to funnel that, Jesse, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> we will see. Yeah. I don't know how Lossing you feel. Screaming it, ahead, I guess. <laughs> I don't know if you agree with that as a concept, but yeah. No, I 100% agree with that and i think that comes back to the fact that community is contagious right if you see a brand that you love openly embracing another brand that you've never heard of i mean what are you going to do you're going to be interested in it you're going to try it you're going to yep. say oh this this doesn't taste let's make up a product it doesn't taste like iron root normally tastes it's got something different in it and that difference has to i assume come from this other distillery that they're collaborating with Maybe I should go and look at them, you know, yep. and, and it's more than just the product. It is the process as well. Yep. And I think, I think that any craftsman that is so heavily into their craft that they can be good enough, they can literally be world-class, like once again, like Iron Root, you often run the risk that these are the people that they can't see past just the product to the fact that there is a brand sitting around it as well and all these sort of intangible things that come into yeah. it. So I think I think you've touched on that, which is really interesting. But we are we're over time already, Roy. So thank you very much. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this. And I'm I'm getting the feeling we might have to ha make an excuse to do something like this again sometime, mate. Um the the we're only limited by imagination, Jesse, the subjects that we could cover even although we're on the opposite end of the world from each other, doing slightly different things, but we're connected by this fantastic thing. Um, yeah. You know, I would be more than happy to do it again. And uh, I hope that I can find an excuse to have you on my channel sometime as well. Oh, please. I would absolutely love that. That would be great. I was just going to raise a glass to thank everybody that's come into the from our community here tonight, today. Let's. This morning. I mean, there are people, Christina Zerpoli's in, Jimmy Legg is in, Orange Will is in, Jeremy Sims is here. Uh, there are people on your time scale at Jeremy, at time zone, but Christina and Nicholas Burton, I mean, it's either very, very late at night or very, very early in the morning. It's early in the morning where they are. And the people that have come <laughs> to kind of eavesdrop on this little recording, uh, let's raise a little glass to those fantastic guys. Thank Cheers, you. Here's you guys, here's the community. Indeed. So I think that's a great uh, a great note to finish the official podcast on, Roy. I thank you, man. I appreciate it, and I can't wait to be able to have a drink with you again in person because it's this is good, but it's not quite the same. Absolutely, I agree. Let's this uh, let have this thing blow over and be behind us and get yeah. together in some environment in the future, my friend. That would be fantastic. So I know that was a little different than what we normally do here, but I feel like the times call for it. It's something that I wanted to highlight. It's something I wanted to talk about from a personal point of view, from an enjoyment point of view, from a fulfillment point of view, but also a little bit about how 
these things tie into actually selling the products that we love and the product that we love to make. So if you're in the commercial world of distilling, it doesn't matter what beverage you make, I would love to talk to you. Feel free to get in touch with me, write me an email and let me know what it is that floats your boat, what it is that you geek out about, what it is that you love to chase about the craft and I'd love to have a talk to you. To everyone else, this has been a blast. I'll catch you next time. See you later, guys.